Welcome to another episode of Thoughts of a Trillionaire. <laughs> um, <laughs> and becoming a techno wizard. Um, I don't know what I'm going to call these in the future. Probably going to have to come up with a new name or something like that. So that if I keep combining my podcast with my YouTube videos, but I don't know, we'll see. But for this episode, it's going to be relatively short, maybe 20, 30 minutes, I hope. <laughs> I have a lot of other work to do. So um, try to keep it relatively short, but I uh, wanted to give some updates as well as kind of work through some ideas I have for how to get our society to be, to work more like those hunter-gatherer cultures that have been so successful for hundreds of thousands of years, you know, being the, with the fact that we can't really go back anymore, right? We can't, we can't just tear everything down and start over from scratch. You can't you know, live in the woods and stuff like that. We just changed the environment so very much and we've changed ourselves so very much that it's, it's, that's just not really a possibility. So what I've been wondering and thinking a lot about is how can we transfer over those lessons, those wisdoms, those um, behaviors that they had into our current day society with our, with our current day technology with the purpose of making our current day technology and societal norms and, you know, um, institutions and so on and so forth, more egalitarian, more peaceful, you know, more healthy, more sustainable, all that stuff that those um, other cultures, those prehistoric cultures had. So um, before I get into all that, going to give some updates on what I've been doing in my life because um, this is supposed to be like a, a journal, not just of, you know, sharing my, my ideas, but also just, you know, sharing my life and my um, journey so far on this path to become a trillionaire or a techno wizard or whatever I'm, I'm trying to do. <laughs> really just live an interesting life and, you know, change the world while I do it. Anyways, um, I don't really remember the last update I gave or what I said, but <laughs> I was looking through it my um podcast i think that i tend to update that a little bit a little bit more than the youtube but it looks like the last update was in january <laughs> quite a quite a while i'm not sure i didn't listen to that again listen to that back so i'm not sure what i said there but since january i have you know secured a nice little job you know um and it's it's pretty cool it is not a full-time position it's more of a contract um, type of thing and it is as most contracts are it's to it's um or not really most contracts but with this contract is is hourly so based on you know how much hours i'm putting in how much work is available um at the agency will determine you know how much i get paid but i am getting paid a good amount like like three four times more than i've ever made before so it is huge it's huge difference and i'm so happy um about that but I've, I've only been working like maybe 10 to 15 hours no 12 hours max so far a week so i'm trying to get that up you know and it's, and it's looking like it will get up because we have a lot of projects coming in we have working on right now i can say i can't say too much i don't think but i can say that we were our working on a emotional intelligence type of thing <laughs> Uh, because not really 
one project. That's the thing. It's not really one thing, not, not just an app or a website, whatever. It's it's a whole suite of tools um, in the in the space of emotional intelligence. And that really interests me because I think that's super important, you know, um, creating more tools to help people become more self-aware, become more um, emotionally intelligent, <laughs> um, and so on and so forth. You know, that goes a long way towards my own goals of trying to unlock humanity's, humanity's potential, you know, to be more self-fulfilled, more self-actualized, transcended, you know, whatever you want to call it, transhumanism, whatever. Right. It's all under the same idea of helping us just be better people, be better creatures. So, yeah, um, excited about that. That's pretty cool. I also have my apprenticeship with Debbie still going on. That's that's kind of unfortunately very slow. I feel bad because I haven't been able to finish my part, you know, helping her, you know, develop this thing. I mean, partially it's also me because I'm supposed to be learning under her. Um, and I need to take more advantage of that. You know, she's an incredible person and she has so much to, to teach. Um, she's always doing videos on her YouTube. Check it out, Delta CX. And uh, yeah, I would like to take more advantage of that. Make sure I'm, I'm still always learning, 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 because there's so much to learn about UX design, about design in general. Um, but in that space, I am learning, you know, interaction design with her, as well as information architecture. So I'm building a, again, I can't say much about the what exactly I'm building, but it's a tool for UX researchers, uh, you know, let's say that. And I'm um, currently building this complex data table where I have to figure out like multifaceted filters and sorts and, you know, um, just a bunch of different like complicated things and, uh, <laughs> to make it a really customizable um, data table because these people that's going to be using it are basically UX researchers and they need to be doing a whole, a whole lot of things. So it's it's a lot to figure that out. And I'm using um, Axure. So teaching, you know, learning how to how to use Axure is it's been super great as well. There's a lot of very powerful features with that tool. So unlike Figma or Sketch or pretty much any other, you know, prototyping tool or rather design tool out there, Axure allows you to do logic-based prototyping. So you can put like if statements, you know, um, um, panels, you can use like multi, multi uh, faceted panels, multi state panels so that, you know, when you click something, something happens, right? And then it can change some, uh, something on another part of the page and this part is so, um, I'm sorry, it's called dynamic panels, goodness. Um, so yeah, makes, you can actually do dynamic inter interactions, unlike with Figma or Sketch where you have to just copy the same artboard over and have a whole bunch of different artboards and this switch between the artboards you know um so yeah actually is a pretty cool tool but it is very complicated unfortunately mostly i feel I, yes it is because it's a, it's just a lot of complicated things you're trying to do but honestly i also feel like it's because the the tool is not really made by designers i feel like it's made by engineers and um, engineers are awesome folks. They can create amazing things, but you can really tell when something is not made by a designer, right? When it, when designers are not really big on that team because they're making decisions that are like, why did you why did you put that over here? You could have like if if it's if you did usability testing, right? If you did some user research, you probably would have seen that most people, and you can see this based on their forms, are complaining about the exact same thing. So 
if all, all these people are complaining about how this feature doesn't really make sense and how it should probably go here or, you know, you know, these interactions don't make sense or how it's difficult to, to move, maneuver around and all that stuff, you're not doing, you don't have designers, right? You're not doing UX. So, and that's, that's so like, I'm not sure if ironic is a good term to use, but you know, that's, it's so silly. Like you're making a tool for designers, but you don't have, like you, you clearly don't seem to have enough designers on your team. So, and that's really unfortunate. Um, because they're getting like left, I feel like they're getting left in the dust with people like like Figma just popping, popping out. So I'm wondering, like, what if Figma, you know, eventually creates some of these logic based prototyping? Like, will Figma ever go in that route? I hope I I hope so. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of Figma. Um, like I started using it during my boot camp, even when everybody was saying, oh, you sketch, everybody's going to be using sketch. I'm like, Figma. And I was right, you know, lo and behold, <laughs> not just a few months later, Figma started popping off like crazy. And granted, a lot of that was because of the pandemic, because um, people had to work remote. But, you know, it's just collaboration and the, the ease of use of Figma. Like Figma is so easy to figure out, you know, other than rather than the sketch, it's like there's a lot going on. And a lot of that stuff is like just doesn't feel like once again, it's, it doesn't feel like it's designed by designers. Figma does feel like it's designed by designers often. I mean, there are st still some things there that's like, eh, probably could have done better, but you know. Anyways, yeah, <laughs> nerded out a little bit there, but suffice to say, like, that's a lot of what I've been working on, increasing my design skills. So learning interaction design, um, the, the fundamentals of inter interaction design, watching Alan Cooper a lot, you know, a lot of his stuff. Um, following a lot of great experts like Debbie, like Darren Hood, another another um, great expert. Also been reading um, the, the the polar bear book. Basically, you know, I, I talked about that you know before one of these videos. But um, learning a lot about how information architecture is you know it's just created, I guess, or <laughs> the important parts of information architecture in terms of you know how to look at labeling, how to look at organization, um, learning the different types of, of architecture, you know, so probably going to do a, a different video where I'm going through exactly what I learned from that book. Probably, yeah, I'm gonna do that. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, go ahead and commit to doing that this week, because I'm like, what, four chapters in or something like that. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure it's four, maybe three chapters about 100, 100 or something pages out of 600. So, you know, um, yeah, there's a lot to learn there, a lot to talk about with that. So yeah, that's all that. Um, I haven't been working on my business plan too much. And I feel bad about that because I, I, once again, I committed to that with the BTMP, the Black Technology Mentorship Program. But at the same time, it's not because like I'm lazy or whatever, right? Um, it's more so because I realize there's so much to learn about unlocking humanity's potential. And yes, I have a lot of ideas about this and I have you know, a good idea of how I wanna start with this business, but I really, really, really do not want to go down the route of just building a business just because, right? Just building a business just because I have an idea, just because I want you know, money or something like that, right? I don't want to go down that route because I feel like, and this is just me, 
being ambitious, you know, for a long time, like I've always wanted to change the world for the better. I want to save the world, you know, um, together with other awesome people. And I feel like just building a business just because you kind of go down a route of let's make money, let's optimize, let's, you know, grow, 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 but you kind of lose focus on if you're actually changing the world for the better, you're more focused on, you know, how can I grow my business, right? And um, those could be related, don't get me wrong, but we all see today what happens when big technology, when technology gets big and scales and it loses focus, right? Like with Google, the infamous, you know, don't be evil. And they had to take that off. I mean, it's for a number, number of reasons, because first of all, and I was just listening to a podcast about this called uh, Land of Giants. It's really great. But they were talking about how in the beginning, when they said don't be evil, it was around um, the idea of not, you know, kind of catering a the, the, the search to like certain media companies or whatever. Um, or news companies or, or, or political type of things. Right. Um, But it was very vague, right? Like what is evil? What does evil mean? Uh, We have, we think we, we know, but in reality, morals is very, it's not very, but it's somewhat subjective, right? The obvious stuff, like don't kill somebody, (laughs) you know, lying is probably, is usually not good. You know, stuff like that is, is kind of obvious. But even with that, like, there's always, you know, oh, what about in this situation, right? What if you're protecting someone, all this? So it, it quickly becomes subjective. And so when Google said, don't be evil, it wasn't really clear of what that means. Like when you're making a decision at Google to say, you know, are we going to, how are we going to, you know, improve the algorithm for search, right? How does don't be evil help make those decisions, right? And I, I'm saying this because, this, this really this really impacts how I am thinking about making my business, right? Because I, I wanna start from the beginning as early as possible, which is now like before it's even started, thinking about my values, my ethics, my morals, and my, my, my vision, my, my goals, my plans with all of this, right? I just think not enough people take the time to really think about what they're going to do, you know, if this becomes big. You know, we like to think, oh, just just go, 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 right? Just hustle, just make it big, you know, get your money, whatever. You can figure the rest out later. But we see today that that doesn't happen, right? Like if you don't take the time to sit down and figure out what your ethics are, it's highly, highly likely that those ethics are going to be, you know, lowered or just skewed or, you know, just null and void, just not there at all, because you never took the time to figure out what the hell you're doing, you know? So that's what I've been trying to figure out. Um, So to reiterate on what I'm doing for my business, basically, I want to unlock humanity's full potential by making it easier for people to figure out what they want to do with their lives and how to live their best life, right? I know that seems vague, and that's purposeful. Because I think there's going to be different solutions towards that. The first solution I'm thinking is going to be um, related to research and curation, right? So, and I, that's this is another reason why I'm taking my time with this business. I've been just like I just sit down and just think about like, okay, hmm, right? 
<laughs> right and then just start writing stuff down and then i would like listen to podcasts and i would do some research you know all that stuff and then i would reiterate that process and that's to that's to make sure my mind is right going into this maybe i'm taking too much time for this maybe i'm overthinking it that's just what i do and i think i have to have to lean into into that because that's my strengths right that's what makes me different and um that's also something a lot of people won't do because they they don't see that as as a good thing, right? So sometimes your strengths are your weaknesses, and your weaknesses are your strengths. And you have to figure out what context that those are true. Like what context is your strength your strength? What context is your weakness your weakness, and vice versa. So yeah. Anyways, um, I think research is going to be super important in this business. And I, I want to create almost like a research as a service type of thing where um, people, user researchers, you have a team of user research, um, user researchers, um, clinical people like psychologists, you know, um, therapists, and so on, that, that, those types of folks. And then um, coaches, like career coaches, executive coaches, uh, life coaches, you know, stuff like that, where you have a team of these three people you know, doing research on, on you, on your life, figuring out, okay, what do you want to do? Um, what's going on in your life? You know, what's your goals? What's your uh, barriers? What's your pain points and all this stuff? And so they're actually sitting down and talking to you. Like we don't have that today. Just that alone, I think is super valuable because, and it's just not, I think that I've asked other people, you know, whenever I take the time and ask people, how are you doing today? Like, really? Like, you know, <laughs> Sometimes I just I just talk to people and say, okay, you know, how how are you doing? Like, what's going on in your life? Like, for real. And people are like, I'm doing okay. You know, this is going on, this blah, 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 blah. And people just go on and on and on, right? Because that's just not done enough anymore. Because we don't have a sense of community like those hunter-gatherer cultures, you know, which I'm going to get to. And this is all, you know, going to tie in. But many, this, this is like an epidemic talk about epidemics, you know, there's an epidemic of loneliness today where you don't have enough people really caring about you, about your success, about your feelings, about your goals, your ideas, all that stuff. And that's really unfortunate. And I think that creates a lot of problems in our world. I'm not going to go too much into that because we all know, I feel like we all should know that. Um, we all can just look in our own lives and see, you know, I'm, just, I'm sure most of us have had moments where we felt like, oh, I wish I had somebody to really talk to about this problem or that problem or that problem, or even just, just goals or feelings or whatever, right? I'm sure most of us have had these, these things. So yeah, I think just having a research as a service concept will be very powerful. And that's a lot of what I've been thinking about for this business. The next portion is curation, is making it so that it's easy to look to, to find the best stuff on the internet or anywhere, right? And then give it to you. Again, that's something that's not common. Yeah, you can Google, but oftentimes if you don't know what to Google, then what you gonna do? You know, you just Googling this, Googling that, you might go down some rabbit holes and find some things, but oftentimes, number one, a lot of that, you don't know what's verified. Like you don't know what's good content, what's bad. You don't know what's facts and what's alternative facts right <laughs> it's it's um I, I like to say this i'm pretty sure i said this, said this before but trying to find the right information on the internet 
is like trying to get a glass of water from that Niagara Falls, right? It's like, it just doesn't work. It's just, <laughs> just a, del a deluge of, of, of crap, of stuff, right? I don't want to say crap because not all of it is, there's a lot of good stuff. But even with a whole bunch of good stuff, you don't know what applies to you specifically, right? It's really hard to figure that out. You have to work through this. You have to try this and try that. And I think it's kind of ridiculous that we think that's okay. Like we think that's the creme de la creme of uh, the experience online. Like it doesn't make sense. I think, yes, it is better than what, what it was before. And what it was before was like, you go to a library and you're limited to what is just in that library. So if that library doesn't have books from, uh, around a certain topic, oh, well, right? You, you never knew, you never, you couldn't do anything about it, right? And yet, so I'm not saying like, this is worse than what we were before, but with every, with every scale of growth and with every, you know, step we take towards the future, towards progress or whatever, right? That comes with it a, a new realm of problems and a new realm of solutions that need to be built for that. However, what's also important to realize is that a lot of, a lot of times those problems are not necessarily unique. Like those problems may have been had before in other situations, other societies or other contexts. And some of those past solutions, some of those past ideas and, and things can be transferred, right? Transferable skills. Anybody that, that has, you know, made a resume about, especially if they have a long career or just a, or career switchers, career changers, right? You know that transferable skills are the, 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 the bread and the meat of what makes you different, what makes your resume stand out and what what allows you to get jobs, right? Because you can say, oh, maybe I didn't work in this area, but I worked here and I learned this, that, and the other, and I can transfer that here, right? Making those connections between disparate things is what we call innovation. That's where a lot of creativity happens when you make connections between things that don't seem to be connected, okay? So, I think we can do more of that with the internet and with really all of society today. Imagine somebody able to curate for you, you know, what, for instance, if you're, if you want to, you know, get a better um, job, right? Somebody can sit down with you and figure out, okay, what kind of job will work well for you? And instead of you having to waste the next three, five, 10, maybe even 20 or 30 years working in some job that pays well, sort of, but doesn't make you happy, doesn't give you purpose, doesn't actually give you any skills, any other skills, right? Instead of doing that, somebody can sit down with you and be like, okay, this is what your skills, this is, looks like what your skills are so far. This is some of your characteristics. This is some of the things that you can have a high, that you have a high attitude for that you can learn pretty quickly. You know, um, this is some of the things that feel that will probably give you purpose based on your own dreams and visions and, and life um, lifestyle so far. You know, this is some of the things that will pay. And this is, uh, you see where I'm going here? Like people can sit down with you and figure out all these things. There is no algorithms. There's no, you know, AI that can do that yet. <laughs> and that's another thing. That's what I want to build too. But, you know, 
people go a long way in helping other people can go a long way in helping other people. And I want to create a service that, you know, makes that easier. So I've been thinking about a lot of that. And the bigger context behind all that is a realization that our society is broken in a lot of ways, right? If the fact that we have record high numbers of inequality, and this is like, a, you can look it up. <laughs> it's not just from the, um, in, a, in terms of GDP either. It's, it's in terms of the fact that the buying power, right? I and mean, this is well-documented. The buying power of the average American has gone down or has stayed stagnant, which is basically gone down because everything else has risen, such as inflation and stuff like that, right? So we all, I mean, I don't have to, I shouldn't have to go into this. Like we all, we all know that before you can buy, you know, fruit or, or, you know, comics or something like that, pennies on a dollar, but now it takes, you know, a couple dollars, a couple hundred, hundred dollars for certain levels of, you know, um, of resources. So, and then debt has gone up, you know, is inflation in terms of medical costs, education and schooling, you know, all these things. And it's, it's, it's just, it's not sustainable. Right. And now we didn't even get into the environmental impacts. That's a whole other thing. Right. So we know there's a whole a lot of problems just in American society. Right. And I, I'm starting with America because I live here. Right. And America itself is just the one percent. Like it's 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 such an unrealistic, you know, such a. I'm not going to say better, you know, but it is different than a lot of other places. Right. Than a lot of the, than the types of lifestyles a lot of other people are living. So the problems we face is very drastic, but at the same time, it's not still not as drastic as the other people around the world. So if even, you know, and it doesn't have to be America, like you can you can look at any quote unquote developed nation, they all deal with some of the same problems with, you know, um, inequality, with lack of access which is related to the inequality problem with uh, bad education for, the, for for kids. And it's not just, oh, do you have free schooling a lot? It's, it's does your education system teach people to be free thinkers, to be independent, to be self-sufficient and all that stuff, right? There's a huge problem with education. Um, medical problems, right? Even in, even in the UK where, or what, the Europe, you know, where they pay for all your expenses, there's still a huge medical problem in terms of having a good dietary supplements, right? Having good diet, having a good um, range of, of resources, having a responsive immune system. There's a, like these are basic problems, even in quote unquote, first world countries, quote unquote, developed nations, right? And so we have to, we, we, we like to claim that we're so advanced today and yet we're, we still have some of the most basic issues. We still have like, it's just so annoying that a lot of the it's it's propaganda, really. That's 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 really what it comes down to, is the fact that many of us live in these. We the fact that we even call it first world countries and developed nations, and yet we have these these stupid simple issues, and I mean simple in terms of the fact that it's not it's not like just pure privilege right it like even in america you can very quickly go from having a home 
having a car, having all this stuff before you and live and, and going to the street, living on the street, becoming an addict or, you know, like we haven't evolved that far. We like to think that we're so much better than the cavemen or, you know, where we were a thousand years ago or 10,000 years ago or 20,000 years ago. And yet we still have the exact same problems of finding a place to live, getting good food to eat, safety, right? Like why, if we're so advanced, why do we still have these exact same issues? That's my problem. That's, that's the thing I'm trying to solve, right? So to get to these hunter-gatherer cultures, the common kind of thought about these cultures is that they were quote unquote primitive, meaning that, you know, they, you might have heard, you know, they, they had short lifespans, they had miserable lives, you know, they had a lot of disease, stuff like that. Turns out all of that is false. Like all of that is, is <laughs> misinformation. In fact, a lot of the research shows that many of those findings you know, actually came, actually misattributed to hunter-gatherers when they actually um, were from Neolithic, were from farmers, were from agriculturalists. So those people who had shorter lifespans, who had more disease, who had um, more warfare, all of that is are, are, are agriculturalists, right? And I talked about this before, so I'm not going to go too, too much into all that, but Suffice to say that there is a huge, huge misunderstanding about the Neolithic revolution. And that is the basis of our entire society. Anywhere in the world, right? Most, there, there are only maybe a handful of hunter-gatherer cultures left. And it's not because they failed. It's not because their way of life was unsustainable or because they were dying off or anything like that. It's because of us right if it's because of the the population of humans who started farming and agriculture and, and and creating an extractive economy climate change actually started with the onset of agriculture <laughs> right and it's obvious when you think about it right because you had in order to farm you have to change the environment you have to force the environment to do something that it doesn't already do it has to, you, you're trying to make it grow food that it doesn't usually grow year after year after year. And that kills the soil, right? We know this today. Like any farmer will tell you that you can't do that anymore. You can't, <laughs> right? That's a bad way of farming. And yet that's, the, that's what we created. Again, I'm not going to go too much into this because I talked about it before. But I, I want to make clear that many of the, the, like the downfall of our society, you know, you know, a lot of these problems started with that, with that point. And I bring that up because now when I'm thinking about, okay, how do we create a better future? I have to think about, like, if I want to solve for um, equality, if I want to make a more um, equal world, you know, more egalitarian world, then you have to think about, okay, so how did we, you know, when do we have equality like is 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 it unrealistic like is it unrealistic to be equal <laughs> you know you have to ask these questions um so as i started digging into it 
looking at, okay, when did equality start? Was it like in America, for instance, you know, the inequality start with slavery? Like, it seems like an obvious start, right? People going, you know, bringing all these people. But then, of course, you hear, oh, no, they had slavery even before that. Granted, once again, that's a different type of slavery. Because before, it was, I want, like, and people are going to, people hate to, to, to admit this, but there's different levels to slavery, right? Just like there's different levels with, with weapons, right? Once I said this before, but it needs to be said again. If you have a, a, a hand grenade and an atomic bomb, those are different types of weapons. Yes, they're both bad, right? They both can kill people, but you're not going to say a hand grenade is just as bad as an atomic bomb. It's just, it doesn't make logical sense. The same thing goes for slavery, right? There was slavery in a lot of Africa, a lot of the Middle East and stuff like that. And a lot of those places had like a, um, and had a constitution within it, which like in, a, I think it was the Edo Empire, um, modern day Benin um, with the folks like uh, Mansa Musa and stuff like that, where in their constitution it said, you know, don't be, like you're the, you're the master of the slave, but you're not the stone on their neck, right? Don't abuse your slaves, basically. So they, they had some level of knowledge that, yes, you had slaves, but it's not like they were non-human, right? So you couldn't just treat them any sort of way. You couldn't do some crazy stuff, right? But with this transatlantic slave um, trade, that created chattel slavery or cattle slavery, however you say that, right? Chattel, I don't know. Um, where they actually dehumanize people, where you say these people are not human, right? <laughs> and, that, and that created in America a this a lot of what a lot of the problems that we have today in terms of people looking at black people or people of color and seeing them as less than, because that is the foundation of this country, and that's very important to realize because. If you're trying to get down to the core solution of a problem, you can't start with the symptoms. You can't look at the symptoms and be like, oh, yes, that's that's how it started. You know, that's the problem. That's how you solve. You can't. It doesn't make sense. Like, again, the doctor analogy, which I pointed out before, like you if there's if you have symptoms of a, a if somebody's exhibiting symptoms of it, if you just cure those symptoms, they can they almost all surely will still have the, the core issue and those symptoms will just pop up again. Right. So if you want to solve the problem, if you want to cure the, the, the solution, you have to get down deep into figure out the, the first principles, right? The core thing that's going on here. So yeah, all I have to say that, you know, even though slavery seems like one of the biggest, you know, causes of inequality in America, it's not the cause, right? It is a big cause, but it's not the cause. If you look even deeper, you realize not only were there different slaves, you know, across for thousands, for probably like thousands of years, but, you know, there's a huge elitism problem where you have this, you know, the, the rich and the poor, eat the rich, you know, that, that was a problem for a long time, right? Far before capitalism. So once again, you have to get down to the core issue. A lot of people like to say, oh, capitalism, capitalism is a problem, right? As soon as, you know, capitalism, you know, thing comes up, that's when all this inequality, no. Inequality, the elites have existed before capitalism was ever an idea. Before money, before currency itself was even an idea, you still had elites. 
right? You still had people who were led, who were above the masses and who had a higher privileges and were able to force their power upon other people, okay? So once again, if you're trying to solve for inequality, you have to go deeper. So where did it start? Turns out it starts with agriculture. Because before that, we do not see any, any inequality. Before that, you, you don't see, you know, um, are certain people having more power or more stuff than everybody else. Turns out in hunter-gatherer cultures, there was, they were more egalitarian. They, were, they had far more, you know, um, equal say. Men and women, kids and elders. Yes, elders tend to have more respect because they had more experience and all this other stuff, but it's not like they made all the decisions for the group, you know? And um, I think that played a large part in their success for such a long time and in, in their in their peace. So, but turns out when we created food production, when you were able to, you know, grow crops or, you know, become pastoralists or, you know, um, domesticate animals, all of that, right? created an inequality because now a certain amount of people could you know hoard together these resources and become more powerful than other people again i talked about this in the last episode so i'm not going to go too much into it but that's what i mean by going deep into it so by going to that level we can realize now that inequality is a is not a fundamental issue with that's another problem right like if you don't go deep you just assume oh humans are always greedy humans are always you know that's just human that's just human nature greed you hear that all the time right that's a, a, a fallacy because once again for hundreds of thousands of years we had these hunter-gatherer cultures that were just fine that had they were all they were, most of them most all of them were egalitarian right they figured out how to share how to be altruistic it was a cure it was a it was a key element of their society right they taught it to their young at an early two weeks two weeks they started teaching how to share and how to make decisions so it's not a fundamental human aspect it's not a fundamental human you know issue so when i when i see this i realize that oh wow we need to be looking at food production or or rather because again we it's it's we've 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 built upon this society of, of food production of of hoarding resources it's now a fundamental aspect of our society however it's not a fundamental aspect of being human and that's a big aspect to me because now that means that this is not irreversible right at least in terms of the mental characteristics. And you can see that too, because now we, we constantly are trying to decentralize. We are constantly trying to, you know, share the resources. We have these socialist, you know, movements, communism, all that stuff, right? You have to, you have to wonder why do we keep coming up with these ideas? It's because that is the fundamental aspect of being human. Of it, it, It's sharing. It's realizing that, you know, if you have something, and somebody that doesn't have something you give them right you help them out this is a, a that is the fundamental aspect of being human it's not it's not greed that's very important to realize 
wow, it's, it's 40 minutes. <laughs> Probably you know, wrap it up. Uh, <laughs> I'd be, I'd be getting in here, but, um, shoot. What was I even going with all this? Yeah. So, so when I think about my business, I'm thinking about how do I replicate some of those aspects of hunter gatherer cultures that I can replicate. Right. And I'm, I'm thinking there's, there's different aspects I want to replicate. Number one is definitely that altruistic thing. Well, I'm thinking that instead of having, um, instead of having different salaries for each person and where you can go up the ladder in order to get paid more instead, I know this is very, this is very radical stick with me here, but instead you equally dispense the revenue of the business to all individuals working there. Again, you'd be like, what? Communism? <laughs> it's, it's not communism. It's, it's, it's fundamental human. It's fundamentally human. It's altruism, egoistic altruism at its best, right? Realizing that what's best for you is also what's best for the the community or what's best for the community is what's best for you, right? Is realizing that sharing is caring is is a success, <laughs> right? Sharing is caring is success. Is is realizing that you know the more you share and the more other people have around you, the more your life will be good too. Because now other people don't have to if if other people are not are not worried about where they're gonna get food or this, that, and the other, they're not gonna be thinking about, oh, I need to steal from you, or or you know, or you know, let me knock this person out and do whatever, have my way with them. Like it's just a lot of the issues that we have today comes from our environment. That's another thing that many of us don't realize. Just like any other animal. We are dependent on our environment. And it goes above environmental determinism because we, yes, we change our environment based on our behavior. And the environment when in turn changes our behavior. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a cycle, right? So when I'm thinking about my business and you look, look at any business, right? Once, once you have that level of, uh, of progress of, of people needing needing to to um, show off in order to get paid more, then you have this issue of politics. You have this issue of bureaucracy where people are going to little, little clicks and trying to you know figure out how to you know kiss up to the manager or you know have their inner circles of you know this. I don't have to explain it. <laughs> Many of us see this in our. If anybody, if you ever worked. In corporate America, or really almost any job at school, right? It's the same thing. Almost any social structure where you have some level of of um, of, of elitism or some level of social progress. I don't like to use the term progress because it's not really progressive. We like to call it that because we've been indoctrinated to thinking that's a good thing. But any level of social climbing of of trying to get above others, of trying to get more than others, right? In any group, any environment where that is true, you will also have politics. You will also have bureaucracy. You will also have backstabbing and corruption and, you know, all, the, all these problems. It comes part and parcel 
with that environment. So when I'm thinking of building my business, I'm thinking like, I don't want to work in an environment where I have to worry about politics, where I have to worry about, you know, all this other bull crap. So what kind of environment can I create where I don't have to worry about that? Is that unrealistic? Turns out, no, because that's, once again, that's what humans have been doing for hundreds of thousands of years. They going out and hunter and hunt and gather food, bring it to the, the, the community and share it with everybody, right? There's no ownership of, oh, I brought this in. That means I can get first dibs or no, there was no need for that. There was no need, there, you, no. So if that worked for them for a long time, I think that could work for me. That's one of the things I can bring over. Another idea, and I, I'm gonna try to wrap this up. <laughs> uh, this is actually why I started this podcast because today, you know, I started doing this, but I realized that I have this small little cup of water, right? It takes me about an hour, an hour and a half to drink it, like sip by sip if I'm, you know, working and stuff like that. And then I have to get up and go get some more water. <laughs> right? If I try to over-optimize and have a big jug of water instead, right? Or drink coffee or have a bunch of bottle water bottles set up over here or something like that, right? If I try to over-engineer and optimize my workplace so I never have to get up and get some more water, what happens? Productivity actually falls. And we see this, there's also a lot of science showing this, that people need breaks, that you have an ultradian rhythm of, of roughly 90 minutes where you can, where your body naturally focuses, where your body naturally has this energy cycle, right? And if you try to game that, or if you try to break out of that, or, you know, whatever, you actually lose focus, you lose productivity, because you're, you're, you're trying to fight against millions of years of evolution okay you're not gonna win with the your, your little coffee right this is it's gonna hit it's gonna hit you one way or another it's gonna get its due okay so hunter gatherer cultures you know they only worked for maybe two two and a half hours of where where they go out and then hunt or go out and get food right they measured this and then at the site you know, in their community, they had an additional maybe four to five hours of, 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 you know, prep work of cooking and all this other stuff. And during that time, it's not like they were working like full time even then, right? Because they normally took breaks. They normally, when you're going out to get food from the, from the environment, you're not literally like focused on this specific thing, right? You, you have, if you're following tracks, and this is, this is theorizing here, Part of it is from, you know, what I've read. Part of it is from logic. <laughs> Part of it is from playing games. <laughs> but if you're following tracks, you're not going to be staring at the tracks like 100% for two hours, right? You're going to be looking at these tracks. You're going to be looking around the environment to see if you can hear, see if you can see what's going on and stuff like that. And um, I haven't, though I haven't hunted, I have lived in, um, like I lived in this place where we have 15 acres of land. I don't know how my, my grandfather somehow got, you know, this place, but it, I mean, it wasn't a great place. It was very run down. We had to, you know, do a lot of improvements there. Um, but anyways, it was there that, you know, I used to try to chase around deer and, and rabbits and stuff like that. So I do have some, some, you know, realistic interpretation of, the, of this. Um, even though I didn't hunt them, I, I try to follow them. I try to make it a game. 
but like when you're doing that you, you can't like just look there forever like you have to because not only do you lose someone that lose tracks you know sometimes but you also have to be cognizant of the environment around you right so you're looking up you're you're looking around and trying to see what's going on and stuff like that maybe you're talking with other folks maybe they're looking and stuff like that um and likewise when you're working you can't just be focused and you know typing around and stuff like that not only is this unhealthy for your for your mind but it's also unhealthy for your body because once again we evolved to move around to physically move right and even though we had these last ten thousand years of of increasingly more and more sedentary lifestyle 10,000 years is just a smidget of 100,000, of, of 200, 300,000 years of being human, homo sapiens, sapiens, and 2 million years of, you know, being a <laughs> homo erectus, of being a two-limbed two, two creature, right? So once again, you're fighting against that natural evolution of, of your body need to move around, lose it or use it. If you don't move your muscles around, you will you begin to atrophy that's how you get you know carpal tunnel you get joint problems you get you know muscle degradation you get you know um body fat and all this other stuff right um, heart disease <laughs> tons of stuff comes from this sedentary lifestyle so when i when i was talking about with my water i realized that it's a good thing that i have to get up and get this water because that forces me to get up walk around you know and take my head out of the the um, thing I'm working on, the designs I'm working on. And once again, research shows that when you move, when you, you know, go out and walk or something like that and think about something else, that actually allows your brain to process things because your brain processes, processes things in the background, not in the foreground. It's, it's your short, short-term memory that is you know focusing a little bit and it can only focus on a little bit of time at a time you have to kick that back into long-term memory you have to take a take a break in order for your brain to process things and to make make you know connections and all this other stuff so when you take that break those that quick two five ten minute break or whatever that allows your brain to think about oh wow right this is this was working and then when you sit back down you go oh wow that is that that's it Right. I can I can fix this problem. I've been I've been uh, dealing with, you know, I've, I've experienced that myself with coding, with design, with operations, with all this other stuff I've, I've worked on. And a number of people have also experienced this. And once again, the research shows the same thing. So <laughs> to bring all that back all the way back to my business, I'm thinking about how can I implement that into the structure of the business, the structure of of when we focus for work? Like, how can I create an environment in my, in my business where we only do like 90 minutes at a time of focus work? And within that time, you still have some, some regular breaks. You know, people can, you know, if, if we're working remotely, what does that look like? If we're working physically together, you know, in the same place, what does that look like? It's those types of things that I'm thinking about so I can bring millions of years hundreds of thousands of years of evolutionary you know habits and success successful behaviors into the work so that we can have truly long-lived long-lived successful and, and self-fulfilling self-actualized environment that's what i think about that's what i try to you know take my time to figure out
And I know a lot of it is like, maybe just me overthinking. And that's fine because that's the joyous of me being, being able to create my business because it is my business, okay? And I don't say that from an ownership standpoint. I say that from an accountability standpoint, from the fact that I'm not trying to do something where I'm not accountable to my own, my own behaviors, right? I don't want to create something where I'm having all these consequences where people working there are not feeling like good, you know, people are miserable there where the products and services that we create are making a negative impact on the environment around us, whether that's a social environment or the physical environment or the economic, right? I want to make sure that the ecosystem that I'm creating here, that I'm getting into here is going to be 100% towards the ideal future I want to live in. And that's why I think it's important to take my time. So yeah, Ooh, that was that was fun. Um, hope I explained everything well enough. And uh, it's just interesting, man. There's so much stuff to learn about humans and humanity and society and nature in general and all this other stuff. And I'm just really um, fortunate and excited to implement the stuff, to do that learning and and to uh, to make moves. So yeah, if you're interested in talking about this and, and um, learning with me or anything like that, hit me up. Once again, as always, it's at Elijah Claude, E-L-I-J-A-H-C-L-A-U-D-E on every platform, just about. Go in the comments, you know, make a reply if you're listening to this on podcasts. On Anchor, I believe you can make like little audio replies and stuff like that. I think you can message me on too on Anchor. Wherever you listen to this, whenever you listen to us, you know, reach out to me. I'd love to talk. I'm always open to uh, some good conversations, some good discussions. And uh, let's figure out how to build a better future together. <laughs> More than life for future, as my other podcast is. So, yeah, thanks as always, and have a great day. Bye-bye. I have this other screen, by the way. It's, just, it's a really big screen. My uh, mentor gave it to me. So shout out to Ube. <laughs> See y'all. Bye-bye.